0: I thought we'd open up slightly differently this week because we normally have Simo's voice here, but should we do something just a little bit different?
1: And
2: we're looking good, till we're in for a fight And we fight pretty good, getting goals is our job And we get goals good, looking good
1: We are Carlyle United Hello everyone,
0: you're listening to the Brunton Bugle The number one place to get your kyanite fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And
2: I'm Adam Tiffin
0: Yes, it's Super Harry Lewis in goal Simmer his new number one And there's some unhappy bunnies in West Yorkshire We discuss the latest signing by the Blues The defeat to Exeter And look ahead to this weekend's clash with Oxford United At Brunton Park if you listen carefully, there, Adam, what you can hear in the background is the noise of Bradford City fans. Piss is being boiled right now. <laughs> it's it's the meltdown to all, end all meltdowns, and I've heard a few people saying this. They've probably enjoyed the meltdown as much as enjoyed as signing a new keeper. How are you, mate?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been uh, an active time since I was last on the the podcast. The Pyatics and Greg Albert and that aren't messing about when it comes to to recruitment. Mm. But yeah, the Carlisle and Bradford Twitter has been just brilliant for the last couple of days, and it'll be it'll be even better if a, uh, another Bradford player were to make his way over to Brunton Park. But the likelihood of that is is probably less so. But uh, yeah. yeah, in fairness to Bradford fans, though, they s- some of them have been admitting that we've got them on strings, and because yeah, you can't them, say otherwise. But... So. Uh, But some of them, the reactions is just, oh, chef's kiss.
0: It's been quite funny, hasn't it? Watching the the way some of them have reacted to it. um, Not taking it well, shall we say the least. least. Um, Right, well, we'll get into it. Uh, That's basically the main news bit we're going to be talking about in a sec. But uh, before we go any further, just to remind everyone that uh, this season, once again, our sponsors are the Car United Sports Club London Branch. London Match is open to all Cal United fans, wherever you, wherever you live in the world, If it's Jacksonville, Florida, wherever you live in Bradford, if you live in Bradford, you can join up as well. We know Bradford have got a huge support base. So maybe they can sign up to our London club as well, or maybe not. But uh, they do lots of great stuff for the club in terms of fundraising, and they also do a lot of stuff in terms of raining tickets for away games for exiles and tr- travel plans and uh, pubs to go to as well, designated pubs. So if you want to find out about them, go to their website, org. Right, let's get into it then. News. There's only one bit of news to cover this week, Adam, and that's uh, the signing of a, a new number one, go- I would presume a new number one goalkeeper. That's <laughs> pretty obvious. Be paid some, a fee for him.
2: Yeah, it'd be some move <laughs> if we just thought, no, we're just chuck him behind Gabe Breeze.
0: That, that that would be a, a very big power move from Sir, would yeah. to say, you know what, I've signed you, but you're going on the bench. Imagine- That'd be, it. That'd
2: be a, <gasps> a, a Brian Clough level humbling.
0: Oh, I mean, imagine the reaction from the Bradford fans if that happened. We signed him to put him <laughs> on the bench behind our 20 year old goalkeeper. That is, that his would his be a peak That'd be
2: peak of That'd be peak It'd be but, incredible. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it's, it's basically, we've sort of said it already, but Harry Luce has signed on a two and a half year deal for an undisclosed fee from Bradford City. Now, the name's probably familiar to most Carla fans because they'll remember he probably didn't have the greatest game in the second leg of the playoffs against us last season. But what I would say is in the other three games, I was really impressed with him. I thought he looked a really good goalkeeper. I mean, there's an argument maybe the home game where we won 1-0 that he probably could have done a bit better on the, the corner possibly. But he actually made three or four really good saves in that game from what I remember. So, you know, he's a very good goalkeeper, great pedigree. I mean, just your initial thoughts on him signing.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one that happened really quickly. Because all the noise that was coming out from likes of uh, Alan Nixon was obviously that us and Stevenage were battling for MK Don's uh, keeper, Craig uh, McGillivray, um, yeah. and that we were in a bit of a bidding war. But because of how much that stalled, and neither of us ended up getting him. Um, and then all of a sudden, it, we just the this move materialised very quickly, at least in the public eye. Obviously, we're not going to find mm-hmm. out how quickly or how much work had been put in prior to um, it sort of being signed, sealed and delivered. But yeah, from from all indications, from what we've seen of him, obviously we've seen a lot of him over, over the last season, just because of the regularity that we've played Bradford. But other than the one uh, infamous game where Ben Barkley uh, scored a he- header to put us to mm-hmm. Wembley, he was a very, very solid keeper. And the reaction, mm-hmm. as I say often, the reaction from fans to a fellow club's move is always quite telling because it's a, a there's no bias involved in it and everyone seems to be saying this is a big improvement on what we currently have. And the fact that Barrow fans not Barrow Bradford fans are so unhappy <laughs> about losing him is a is a real telltale too.
0: You've done some good numbers on Twitter today, haven't you, with your uh things Eulogy. That your eulogy. We're gonna to have to retire the clip of Barclays goal, we, unfortunately.
2: We, yeah. Well, not necessarily Barclays goal, but more the the, the, the banter Tony. towards Lewis <laughs> of um, yeah. of his horrendous positioning. But yeah, yeah, it's it's done it's it's all right. Bit of KSI sad music for all you people my <laughs> age. You watched KSI when you were younger.
0: Yeah, it, it's. Yeah. It's one of those ones, you look back at it now, you can sort of see what Lewis is doing. He's he's trying to anticipate where the ball's going, but he's yeah. just been a bit too eager, hasn't he? And yeah. hopefully he's learned his lesson from that. It sounds like he's had a bit of a tougher season this time around, but when you look at stats-wise, he, he was the second best goalkeeper in the division last season on stats. You know, I think Hurley was just behind him and obviously Vigory was, was top of the pile. But. Yeah. You know, he's a good keeper.
2: Yeah, definitely. And it's not even just like last season; he was a very good keeper. It was the season prior to that as well. I think he was he was mm. uh, maybe not quite up to that level, but certainly at a decent level. So he's it he doesn't appear to be a, a flash in the pan keeper. If anything, this season is the anomaly by the looks of things. Um, and you know he's got a good pedigree, having come through Southampton's academy, been on loan a couple of times before joining Bradford. I think he was was it Dundee he was at Dundee
0: United he played yeah, 30 games yeah Dundee United
2: yeah. Um, and obviously Simo said as he seems to say of all these young lads who are signing that he's had an eye on him for a while Partly, probably, probably because of his association with the FA so he's always sort of keeping track of those well, sorts of players
0: I was looking there yeah, and actually his age profile fits perfectly for the sort of players that age group that Simo was looking at when he was England under 20 manager, actually he was 26. I think Henderson's the same age as me. He? He's about 26 as well. Mm. So that fits in quite well. And yeah, he seems to be someone who's quite well thought. I mean, Southampton kept holding him for a long time. I mean, he's learned to spell at Dundee United was in 2017 and 18. And then he doesn't play again until he plays for Bradford mm-hmm. last season. So, you know, Southampton clearly thought maybe there was something there. It didn't quite work out from there. Obviously he's had to move on, Yeah, but he's, he's someone who, who's got a good pedigree. Um, as you mentioned, there, obviously the Bradford fans are not happy about losing him. Um, it, it's interesting that it, it, it's basically a reverse wake, isn't it? Because obviously you remember back to the fact when we lost Charlie yeah. Wyke Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that was so frustrating for us at the time. And we were going for promotion promotion back then. They're not really in the promotion fight at the moment, I think, no. Bradford.
2: they've been better since Graham Alexander came in. Yes, yeah, definitely. Because um, Mark Hughes couldn't get too yeah. much worse. But yeah, I don't, they're not in the... I mean, there is a a big fight for those top uh, seven spots this season. Mm. I'm very happy that we're not involved in that league this year. Um, But I don't think Bradford will be involved in that. Um, But yeah, I I think a lot of Bradford fans are are generally unhappy with the lack of um, positivity, I'd say, in terms of the mindset Mm. of the people higher up, where they're selling Lewis, they're potentially going to end up selling... um, Oh, his name escapes me, Jake Young. Yeah. Obviously, he was at Swindon's done very well. Uh, there's been murmurs about Andy Cook leaving, which that three year deal in the summer for how old is he now? He's in his 30s. 32, isn't he? 33, yeah. something like he's that. He's looking yeah. worse and worse by the day. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it, I think there's general unhappiness with them uh, in terms of their heart. But for us, it's just brilliant to watch. Just let yeah. it unfold. And yeah, yeah chaos at Bradford. For- what we like to see.
0: Four goalkeepers signed up now. Um, interesting Simo's comments in the pre-match press conference today. He's basically confirmed that the club have offered a new deal to Breeze, and that was actually before even all this transfer happened. It was like mm-hmm. last week by the thing, because it was so impressive how he's handled becoming the number one briefly as it is. Um, happy with that. I'm pretty chuffed to be fair. I'm glad to see he's been rewarded because he showed, what he's shown, I think, in those four games is he's a capable backup. Mm. And that's something we were never quite sure about because he'd never played a first-team game
2: yeah. before. Well... I'm most happy for him because without the shortcomings of Holy and the shortcomings of Jockel Anderson sure. as well and his injury, uh, he would have never got this opportunity and he likely mm-hmm. would have been released because he's into his final year of his, well, into the final six months of his deal now. So I'm more happy for him. It's what I be amazed if he really try obviously there'll be some negotiation in there to try and get a better deal for himself but he's on a personal note for him this month has been brilliant or the last 30 days not this literal month but yeah I, I feel great for him because he's got a chance and he's taken it and it likely means he's at least going to be the backup keeper. I mean, obviously, with Lewis signed now, he's probably going to be the backup keeper for the foreseeable. But even still, it gives him now the option, because he's never been on a loan move before. Now, if clubs have seen him and he'd seen him perform, they might think, oh, we'll have a bit of that, and then he can grow and develop more, get more games. And that was the ideal scenario, that he'd come in, play a few games, do all right, and then end up getting uh, a lone move so we can further develop away from the club. Um, and that's exactly what's played out. So I don't think it really could have gone much better for Gabe Brees.
0: Yeah, it's a prime example, isn't it, of how in football sometimes you just need a little bit of luck, don't you, in your career? Just to exactly. get something going. Yeah, you? And definitely. he's had that opportunity just because, like you say, the circumstances Holy's made those three mistakes. Anderson's out injured and Simmons got to the point, well, I'm going to have to try something different here. And he's come in and he's not really made any... Clangers, you know, there was a small argument he could have done better at Port Vale's goal. I think it's a bit harsh. And the rest of the goals he's not really had any chance with. And he, and he's generally, his all round games look solid. And like he said, it's a chance for him to get a proper loan spell now because he had that brief, like a couple of weeks at Widness, didn't he? And I think he played two games there and then Widness got a new manager who wanted a permanent keeper. And so he had to come back to us. And because of the circumstance, he's not really been able to go out on loan. And now, now we've got this setup we have you will be interested to see whether he does go on loan or whether Simo decides to stick with him on the bench for now and has Holy basically signed the stands, which is, you know, a, a big move because I think most League Two clubs would probably take Holy, I reckon.
2: Well, yeah, one of the, the uh, Bradford's pages that I saw for in terms of suggestions for a new goalkeeper, I know they've just signed one on loan for him. Yeah. Oh, it, was, it was one who was at Charlton, I think, or, or someone... Sam Walker. Yeah, Sam Walker. They've just yeah. signed him, but one of them was suggesting that they bring in Holy... And I think even though Simo said that the four goalkeepers they have, they're happy to stick with that if needs be, having four keepers is usually a marker of, you know, we're not going to say it, You're but bloated, if yeah. somebody if somebody wants to come in and take one of these, by all means. Um, yeah. And I think it would probably be holy now. Because um, I think Simo just sort of likes Jochal Andresen. I don't know if it's just his personality, if he's got crack or or what. But, the- um.
0: I think the other issue with Anderson is the fact that Reading is skint and will not want him back because that means another wage on their books. exactly. So yeah. the only way he's going back is if we say, "Well, we'll pay that what we were paying of his wages." Yeah, exactly. For the rest the no season. point doing
2: that. No, and Gabe's going to keep holding. Yeah, and the good thing about what Gabe Breeze has done over the last few games as well is it's it's given the club leeway to because if they needed to move one of them on prior to his, if we'd have brought in Lewis and Gabe hadn't played any of those games, it, yeah. he would have been the one who'd been moved on. But now he's cemented himself as, well, I'm at least good enough to be the backup here. Yeah, The others, you've lot, haven't been great. You know, I'm second in the order now. So it's been good for him. And also the fact that Holy's probably a more, uh, uh, a bigger financial commodity to get off off the books. Both there's a chance yeah. you could get, a, I don't think you'd necessarily get a fee for him because he's no. in his last year's contract too, but it's at least yeah. more wages off the books. Um but yeah, I was just looking yeah. at some of the stats that Holy and it's just to compare because I think comparing this season, to Harry Lewis, like I said earlier, I think is probably the anomaly. But last yeah. season, probably the one of the biggest stats, and people can argue whether it's actually a stat, is the uh, expected goal scored or prevented for keepers. It's prevented yeah. for Harry Lewis last season according to FOTMOB because this season uh, I think from the analyst he's got one of the worst in League 2 for uh, goals allowed or prevented it's like like minus 7 or something like that which is what Holy's was last season we think how good Holy we all think Holy was last year he had a minus 7 goals prevented whereas Lewis was plus 1.4 so it's quite a big swing so it shows the quality that we've, we've brought in
0: the thing with Lewis has always impressed me as well in the games we've seen, and one of my mates pointed this out to me, and it's, it's, a, it's a really good point, is what he's really good at is starting attacks quickly as well. There's no there's no way, because the one with, with, the one thing with Thomas is that he takes his time, when he collects the ball, he'll take his time to get it, but he'll take his time to kick it. Lewis has got a bit more pace about him in the terms of the way he basically wants to get that attack going, he wants to distribute the ball quickly. Mm-hmm and I think that could make a big difference to us as well because sometimes we are a bit slack in terms of getting the game going again.
2: Yeah, I think that's just probably because of Thomas's size. Yeah. He's just generally a bit uh, a bit labored. if anybody's like watched basketball and you see like the 7 footers move up and down the court, you'd think, you know, those big limbs you'd be able to move pretty quickly, but it takes a lot of effort yeah. to get those things up and going. Um but I get what you mean. The one thing I remember about playing Bradford last year, though, was they kept on trying to play out from the back. I don't know if it was maybe just because we were pressing well. But I remember mm. him being rushed a couple of occasions. But I think that was more just stubbornness on in the principles of we're going to yeah. play out from the back. And then that led to um, those issues. But that's not something we're going to try and do. So it's not something no. that should necessarily be an issue for Lewis at Carwell.
0: Yeah. And to be honest, you just give it the belt a big John and tell him to run off the pitch and not <laughs> all out. Um, we did put a tweet out before we were recording just to get a few of your comments in terms of what you thought in the signing and the news that Gabe is getting a new contract. Um, the buzz is back, which I think is the guys who run the buzz is back for him, have said, thrilled This time of year, we, of year, we wouldn't have imagined we'd ever be making such moves in the transfer market. I think that's sort of looking back to last season, even. Mm-hmm. you think, you know, and if we've been able to do this last season, we probably would have finished top three. Which is hard to think of, isn't it? um, Rye CFC says, Pleasantly surprised. Like Armstrong and Neil to an extent. Nice to see we're taking players who have proved themselves in the league below. In Armstrong and Lewis, you could argue both were some of the best players in League Two. A transfer strategy like this makes sense up the blues. That's a really good point, isn't it? It it feels very strange to not only be paying transfer fees, but going and poaching some of the best players from clubs in the division below. Because it used to be us that lost our players every time things were going well. It's a nice feeling, isn't it, to be doing that?
2: Yeah. And it's one of the things that I, if anybody's watched my, uh, the latest video I did on my uh, channel about Neil and, and, and Green signing, a little bit about oh. Armstrong, but I'd already covered him. It's the, the last thing I mentioned was the proactiveness. This is mm. not something that we're used to. We're not, the fact that we're, it's the 11th of, of January when we're recording, we've already signed four Mm -hmm. players three of them on permanent deals of which all three are at least two and a half year deals um so this is the sort of thing that proper football clubs do and we haven't been doing it for so long when other clubs have been that's what's really set us back and obviously that's to do with finances we just haven't fiscally been able to but it's just it's nice to be being run properly
0: yeah it's incredible, isn't it? Uh, Lewis Ridley, he says, very pleased. Uh, he was the second best keeper in the league till last season. I think we sort of mentioned that before as well. And the length of contract is particularly good. As you say there, it's just nice to have these players tied down and know we're going to have a... We're building a squad here, aren't we? Yeah. And he says, I expect, despite some of those comments, and hope Breeze will go out on loan to the conf. Pleased we're trying to tie him down, though. He needs games and Holy is capable of number two. I think that's probably the view we've sort of shared, isn't it, really? I, I think it's unlikely you'll get a League 2 loan move, but I think we've had a conference one. And I think with conference one as well, you can send it for three months and potentially recall them if you need to.
2: Exactly, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of, well, not a lot, um, but there's at least some decent connections to the, the the non-leagues. You know, even if you went down to um, to... I think he'd be way too good for this, as he's shown in the games. But I think even if he we went down to Workington's level where he'd be guaranteed mm-hmm. game time, um, it's something rather than being just sat on the bench. And obviously, we're not involved in any cup competitions anymore. So I think either way, whether he stays as the number two or whether he goes out on loan, as long as the new contract gets accepted and that all works out fine, it's been absolutely brilliant these last few games. Yeah. From No matter yeah. how it works out.
0: Exactly, exactly. Josh Trafford, who I believe is James Trafford's brother, he's a listener and he's obviously a big Carlo fan. He's absolutely buzzing to have sweeped for Harry Lewis from Bradford. Great goalkeeper and only twenty six, which is a good point. Is that he's sort of hitting his prime, isn't he? Really? really? And you think the fact he's he's played a hundred odd games now at least, I think so. That that's really yeah. good. Um, he says, "I'm great friends with Gabe, and he will be number one at some point without a doubt up the Blues." Jonathan Hall, good move. Gabe has proved he's worth a multi-year contract and the chance to play regularly at a decent level. But for now, we need an experienced stopper to help keep us up. I think that's a pretty fair assessment that we've agreed with. Ticket Addict says, another signing that is an improvement on the existing options, which has to be a good thing. Please, Breeze, hope he takes the positive from his spell in the team. Uh, Mark Collier says, the Bradford meltdown, more fun than the actual signing, but certainly a number one for whatever league we end up in next season. Those pesky Piatics at the playoff first leg, casually buying a football club and a goalkeeper. Hashtag they knew. And then Cumberland Macomb says, is Jake Young coming with him? I don't think Jake probably is coming with him. I think that's no. a bit of more tw- Twitter rumours. But, but yeah, just to mention the Piatics there, gotta say, it's like. Fair play to them. Everything they've said they would do at that kiosk meeting, they've they've delivered so far. They've, yeah. they've stuck to their word and arguably more than we probably expected in terms of delivering stuff quickly. It, it's going to be a hell of a ride, isn't it? Whatever happens this season.
2: Definitely. And if you needed no more evidence, just look at the past 10 days and in terms of the... If you wanted to see signs of commitment from the Piatics, you know, mm-hmm. if these were people who were coming in here to make big profits, I mean... Firstly, they wouldn't invest in a football league club because as my dad says, it's a quick way to make a small fortune from a big one. Yeah. Um But yeah, they've just they've come in, made immediate changes, and implemented a I wouldn't say a, a different mentality when it comes to, to transfers, but it's sort of like I'd imagine Simo probably goes and Greg Albert goes into these meetings with them now and goes There's just a bit of breathing room. There's not having to like haggle over, can we afford this? You know, would you be able to give us a little bit more money for this? It's just, you want him go out and do it. If we can do it, then brilliant. If not, there's a backup plan in place and we'll go with that. Because that's a perfect example of what's happened here with um, McGillivray at MK Dons. Didn't work out. Gone and got Lewis very quickly and now we're sorted.
0: Yeah. And like you said, it's just, it's kind of, I think the fact that Simo as well is not just. I'm going to spend all this money right now. He's been sensible. There's clearly mm. thought going into these signings. They're all signings that make sense. As Mark said there before, as negative as this might sound, whatever division we're in next season, there's signings that we know are going to work and are going to be good, what yeah. you'd hope that would anyway.
2: I think that's something you've got to consider, especially when Carlisle are in, in this position, because, you mm-hmm. know, especially with, with League, one of the four teams that go down, there's there's possibilities that you might not even necessarily, obviously we're one of the worst teams now, but... Mm there'll be de- certainly examples in the past of teams who have not necessarily been relegation, typical teams yeah. in terms of standards, but have ended up going down just because of how many teams go down this league. And yeah. it's eventually they've got to prepare for and buying the best players from the league below is a great way to do it. I mean, it's what all the, like look at uh, Southampton and, and, and Leeds yeah. and teams like that. They bought, good players who would be very good championship players who could develop yeah. into good Premier League players if they would stay up. Now they look like they're probably going to go straight back up. So it's, it's just That's general it. smart thinking. So people might and, say it's pessimism, but it's just realism.
0: And as well, it should be said that when you look at League 2 next season... It doesn't look like it's going to be as tough as it is this year. No,
2: we've hit a bit of a sweet... Well, well that's obviously with, I mean, uh, like the likes of Notts County and Wrexham, I, I don't think their promotion's guaranteed, but this is the the best standard of League mm-hmm. Two there's been for a, a while, for sure. I mean, sure. us and Bradford, at the end of last season, we were the two playoff teams, and look how we ended the season and how Bradford ended the season. We weren't. Yeah. We weren't actually that good until the playoffs started. No.
0: No, but you'd imagine Wrexham are probably going to throw a little bit of money this month to get a couple of players in to, to make sure they do finish top three. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised if they didn't. Um, I'll, I'll have one more comment from someone else in a minute, but just to say as well, we're also being linked to a villa like, called uh, Jack Thompson from uh, yes. Queen's Park as well, which is an interesting one. He's ex-Rangers youth. He's done really well at Queen's Park yeah. this year. He's out of contract in the summer though. So there's a feeling that we can actually agree a contract with him now because he's an technically an international transfer. Yeah. So I do wonder if that's one look into the future, possibly you might try and get him tied down, which would be fantastic if we could get something like that sort of next season as well.
2: Yeah, well, I did a, a little piece on Football League Worlds uh, about him and obviously it's been reported by uh, the Daily Records where it originally mm. came from. Um, by the looks of it, he's more of a holding midfielder. So maybe not something, mm-hmm. It's like you said, it's maybe something that's looking towards the summer rather than somebody to come yeah. in now as an immediate fix um but again it's it's just it's proactiveness it's uh a willing to try and improve the squad even if it's not an immediate need is looking to the future it's just everything you'd want in a transfer strategy
0: yeah absolutely i will leave the final word on on from what the tweets we got uh, to uh, mr mike booth who says, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that all our transfer dealings in January so far have happened prior to recording. And I, we know that Tom uh, too and uh, Nick both listen. So big thank you to you guys for getting these transfers sorted before we record the podcast. It's, it's been very enjoyable, but I'm to play catch up the week after. Um right. I don't think there's any other if there's any other news and um, we'll cover it at some other point. I don't think there's anything else there, to be honest. It's been uh, very quiet wise.
2: Not really. The only other news is maybe like injury related stuff with Coyote, maybe yeah. that's still not back, um, being yeah. fit and Huntington's getting uh closer. closer yeah. Obviously Simpson said that he wants uh on the radio that he three wants more. up to, I think it was up to three more or is it at least yeah. three more?
0: I think up to three more, I think, I think he was up looking up at to, the yeah.
2: Moment, so yeah. Um which obviously how that will get a split is yeah. is to be oh, the, seen. The,
0: there is one more thing, actually. Mac, Max Killsby, he's been recalled from his loan at, yeah, yeah. at an athletic. I think the feeling is Simo wants to have a look at him in January and see how he does in a couple of reserve games before he considers what he does at the end of the month.
2: Yeah, well, he's out of contract at the end of the season. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have an option for the club to extend. No. So it's, it's, it's the reason why, like... Uh, um, uh, that Rotherham wouldn't send Coyote until he'd signed a new deal, because yeah. obviously if he comes back and is immediately out of contract. So I'd yeah. imagine that'll be part of the thinking as well. But I also Kai Nugent scored for, for Annan at yeah, the weekend.
0: Yeah, he did. He scored a few now. I think three or four, I think, possibly for them. So he's he's doing pretty well north of the water, which is good to see. I, I do wonder for lads like Killsby and Nugent, what Simo said about wanting to have a effectively a B team, an under-21 team almost, Yeah, going forward it's going to benefit those players better because actually we can look and say, right, let's tie them down slightly longer, give them time Mm. to develop as players and you can send them out on these loans, which seem to do them really good. So so yeah, there's plenty of opportunities there. for them. Right, let's uh, look back on the Exeter game then. Um, Adam, we're not going to talk too much of this because neither of us went. We've sort of caught up on the highlights and watched bits back, but yeah, Exeter City 2, Cal United 1, by all accounts, not a great day at the office, I think it's fair to say.
2: No, there was some... Reasonable performance from the, from the sounds of it, notably from the uh, two the newbies, yeah. Um more so Neil by the sounds of it because I think Armstrong didn't get as much service. Um, but yeah, it's an, another, another game where defensive uh, lapses have cost us goals, not been clinical enough in front of goal, and so we've lost.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's frustrating, isn't it? it? The frustrating thing is, it's against a team that if we'd beat him, we'd have gone ahead of. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the thing that annoys you the most, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and now the the, the issue is, is because they're the the top of the well, one of the top of the the team that's last in the table before mm. you hit the relegation spots, and then it's now that six point gap, and I think they might still have a game in hand on us still. Yeah. Um, so it's now I'm looking at the table and going. As things currently stand, obviously signings are going to make a difference or should make a difference yeah. because there's been games like where Holy's cost us at least eight points, maybe more, with mistakes. And you could say, say the same about Anderson. Um But I'm starting to look at the league and go, is there actually four teams that are worse than us? And that's now where I'm getting a bit nervous.
0: I think where we need to be looking at ahead of, the, of us in the table is the teams that are dropping. And there are a few that are dropping yeah. down, to be fair. I mean, I, I, was, I was speaking to my mate, Dale, who's a Shrewsby fan, and he's not convinced that they're out of it at all. He, he thinks they've got every chance of dropping down well, there but as well.
2: I'm pretty sure they've oh, they've scored, like, barely, I think they've scored less goals than they've played games. or very. It's very close in terms of that like ratio. But they're, they're definitely one that could drop, just because I just don't see where the quality is in that team from when we played them. Um I'm trying to think who Seven, else is near the top. 17,
0: seventeen goals, Shrewsbury have scored in their yes. 26 games. Yes, seventeen. Is, I think the lowest in the division. I'm looking at here. Now, oh, I think, it should
2: yeah. be easily, but that is that's awful. Like mm. that's going to really catch up on you at some point. Um,
0: the but... goal difference is one worse than us. They got minus 19. We yeah. got minus 17. But,
2: so, but obviously the problem is there's what there's 20 games to go now, and they're 10 points ahead yeah so they've yeah. already built up that gap that's a problem we're gonna to have to really claw back um claw back spots on the table where we're fighting from below rather than yeah. worrying about what is below
0: i think the key thing for us is to almost not look at the table and just say right let's just focus on getting as many points as we can don't yeah. think he's above us don't think anything like that take each game that comes and, and try and get results um so the team news for this one, um, it was one... Uh, i did this joke, I'm sorry, but it was one small step for the Blues as Neil and Armstrong came into the starting lineup. I'm sorry, I had to do it. I think Mike did that one last week, but I had to do it. But Neil and Armstrong, um, they both came in alongside Corey Whelan as well. Um, it was uh, Barkley, Moxon and Edmo that dropped out with Barkley and Moxon missing out altogether due to Knox. Um, Edmondson was onto the bench. Um, yeah, were you particularly... Surprised by that?
2: Well, I know Simo mentioned before and didn't specify who had the knocks and who might not be travelling because mm-hmm. of them. Um, the one thing that I found odd, especially after the match, was there was uh, a question asked as to where or the why the lack of Paul Huntington in, in the squad mm-hmm. and Simpson's response was, well, he's not a player that's going to make an impact from a bench he either starts or he's probably not going to play. But, but that sort of implies that he that there was some sort of contention of him starting. And I think if you had the choice, I know he's only just coming back from injury, but it seems like Whelan had a bit of an off game, wasn't as reliable yeah. as he maybe usually is. So that was one looking back in hindsight, I was thinking, well, if he's... And to be fair, by the sounds of it now, he doesn't seem like he's quite fit. But just the way he answered it made it seem like that there I, was some sort of choice to be made.
0: I do wonder if it's one of those ones he's looking for 700-mile round trip, on a coach. Yeah. Carve injury kept him all season. I'm not going to risk him for this one. I can I can, I can, can rely on Corey's coming and unfortunately it's probably the first time Corey's coming for a while and had a little bit of a stinker mate. Well, the stinkers may be harsh but not had as good a game as you'd hope. He's been steady whenever he's come in previously but yeah, he didn't have the greatest game in this one unfortunately. Um, yeah, so that was your, your team news. Um, in terms of the game, first half, pretty balanced from what I saw. Um, not a huge amount to pick between the two teams but the big chance was Josh Emmanuel in a slightly better touch. He's in on goal there, isn't he, to to score?
2: Yeah, he just looks a bit... He looks oddly, because his first game against Charlton, and maybe it's just to do with the teams we're playing, where he's, because teams are pressing, he's maybe just better at getting around people when they're coming at him, rather than sort of having that free space. But he was in... a. A decent amount of space and he just looked clunky on the ball like he just mm-hmm. he looked like he was like he'd had his boots swapped around or something that he was trying to work out which foot to shoot with it just the touch was wrong I mean it was a proper full-backs effort but yeah it was it was a very good chance I think the one main difference from the first half was just the fluidity of Exeter compared to us in terms of moving the ball retaining the ball um, you know creating easier chances rather than you know just going long or uh, and being more direct so I think that was the main yeah. uh, main difference between the two sides through the first 45
0: yeah into the second half and as you mentioned the Exeter sort of stepped up a little bit didn't they and Started to get a bit of control of the game and Gabe Brees was called into action to make a really good double save, I have to say. Mm. You know, some say he spilled the first one. I think he actually done quite well just to get a hand on it, really, and yeah. make the initial save. Did,
2: he did a very similar save uh, against Port Vale, too, with uh, did, quick yeah. reactions. So these are all positive signs and it was good to keep us in, in the game. I think Sam Lavelle also made a... a we'll, we'll get onto one of the blocks he made, but I think he made quite a few decent blocks in the first half and some in the second half, too.
0: Yeah, I mean... The opening goal, um, from Cole for uh, Exeter. There's been a bit of debate about this online, and it's hard to really argue too much of it. That uh, unfortunately, Jordan Gibson just doesn't track his man, and it's, it's not even like he, he tracks him quite a lot of the way, and he just switches off at that last second, doesn't well,
2: he? Well, on this point, I don't know if you'd have uh seen this, but mm. obviously, there was a lot of like you say on um, on Twitter, there was a Bit of back and well, not back and forth, but people saying, you know, he should be doing better, or it's not his his fault and things like that. And I reposted something that one the uh, one lad had put on, basically saying yeah. that he needs to be getting back there. You know, he it's his man. Even though he nece- oh. like in an ideal situation, he shouldn't be the one having to cover that role. He's in that yeah. role, so therefore he should make that challenge, especially when he's already in front of him yeah. when the rebound comes out. And. His dad, Gibson's dad, who is obviously notorious on on social media for he's a, li- for I think he's a
0: listener as well. But we'll, his, uh, we'll, we'll keep talking.
2: <laughs> d- he, he uh, well, if he's listening, look, he basically accused me of calling him lazy on multiple occasions. Which, if you go back to like, my actual tweet, I never actually called him lazy. I just said he should get oh, back yeah. in front of his man there because he's yeah. in front of it. So I can't remember what, his, what what if his dad's name is it Andy Andy Andy. Andy's, I apologise that you felt so aggravated by my my tweet but in my opinion and it is only my opinion and I'm not going to be able to convince you because it's your son he should get back there he's a winger I know who's probably playing a little bit out of position or uh in that situation shouldn't be so far back um but it's a defensive duty you can't just throw it away because oh mm-hmm. I'm an attacking player so I'm just gonna let this lad get a shot off and not even make an attempt to get back and block it
0: Yeah, no, it's a game of opinions and you're absolutely entitled to your opinion. I I tend to agree with you a little bit that I think he, like I said, I think he just switches off. He he, he tracks him most of the way, but then it's that last second bit where the block's made. He just switches off and the lad just gets that yard ahead of him, doesn't
2: he? So my problem problem is, is the fact that he sees the lad has got in front of him. And when he realizes he's going to get point, he just sort of, he goes, oh, well, he's going to get a shot off. He doesn't at least try Mm -hmm. and get back. Um, I know some people have said that also Taylor Charters could have, because he was the one who probably got closest to him in the end when the shot was taken. But I mean, it's, it's not his man. I don't think it's it's Taylor's fault. I can understand you yeah. could maybe think he could get a, a block in, but at the end of the day, it was Gibson's man. He should take responsibility for it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think I tend to agree with this one. And it's frustrating because actually Jordan's been pretty good in terms of the way he tracks back a lot this season. And it's, it's just the last couple of games, it's just sort of switched off a little bit and, you know, there might be various reasons for that. I don't know, but you know, it's it's, it's just a little bit frustrating and yeah. then So, so you're going to say? I was going to say we can like?
2: only take it on. Obviously, what we like you say there, there could be a, a multitude of reasons that we don't uh, see. But as fans, we can only obviously we can only assess yeah. what we see. Um, no,
0: exactly, exactly. And, he, and he's been he has been a great player for most of definitely. the season. You know, just it's just last few games. It's just it's just going a little bit off the ball. But he's not he's not the only one when it comes to that. No, to be fair. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um there was a good long range say from a long range shot from Breeze there again after that. And then again on the on the second goal, it's it's just not great defending, is it? It's there's the initial shot comes in, hits the post, and I think it's it's Lavelle, I think, that gets caught ball watching yeah. a bit, isn't it? This yeah. The, uh, yeah,
2: yeah, it's one where again where it's it's another defensive lapse where he's just sort of switching off and he's not reacted well enough to the yep. to the situation. Um, I think it's a bit... that There's certainly less time for him to react to it than there is with the midfielders for the first goal because it's more of sort of a, a snap rebound that's come back yeah. to the striker who's obviously got an easy finish. But yeah, I, in the build-up to it as well, Corey Whelan charges out to, to, to try and make a tackle and then yeah. misses it and then that moves the ball wide and obviously that eventually leads to a, a shot getting... Um, getting taken, or well, the shot getting taken. But yeah, yeah again, it's it's, it's poor uh, defending and uh, a lack of concentration.
0: Yeah. Um, breathing had to make another couple of saves. He, he, he certainly earned his money, to be fair, in this game. Um, and then, you know, he finally started to switch on towards the end. And I think it came when Joe Garner came on the pitch, wasn't it? There was a sort of slight change in the mindset at that point, and we, we just started to get a bit more of a grip on the game. And I think Butterworth was introduced too, and I think you, we were talking before and Armstrong so close to getting a goal on his debut, wasn't he? He just couldn't yeah. quite get a clean contact, could he? This
2: is the one problem that I'm having with Carl this season. Apart from Bolton, every game we've won, obviously we've gone behind as we have done in most yeah. games this season. And it gets to sort of sixty five, seventy minutes and we think, right, we're actually gonna have a we're gonna try and score here. Yeah. You know. We're not just gonna try and defend we're gonna actually try and find the back of the net. And we do we do often and we create good chances because players that weight is lifted off the shoulders of it's a final push if we get it then yeah, brilliant yeah. if not then we've not lost anything by going for it I just wish there'd be more of that bravery earlier in the game Yeah, because no. that's how you can establish a bit of dominance in the game and you can pen opponents back because we've shown an ability to do it obviously the teams we've played against allow us to do it because they've got the lead they don't have as much of an incentive to go and, and find another goal but it's just so annoying that it has to take you know a change or it gets to fifteen twenty minutes left for us to finally have a go.
0: Yeah, I mean he's unlucky Armstrong with that chance though, isn't he? I mean, yeah, it's just it's one of those ones. It it looks like a bit of a gilt edge miss because he's quite close out, but he's he's just sort of stretching to try and get a stud on it. As much yeah, as he he's needs. jumping.
2: Yeah, like I said, he's jumping and stretching to try and reach it, and he's he's got a decent contact on it. If he's if he puts it like a yard wide, you think oh that's a that's a poor miss. But the fact that it's just straight like hit the post square on, you know, yeah. it's it's not a, a bad miss. Um, and obviously eventually, or oh, was it that, or oh, there was another chance where he, uh, Neil squared the ball across to him and uh, maybe the defender got in the way and then that led to the mm. corner, which then Butterworth, obviously, as we'll get on to, scored a, a very good goal from. But yeah, it's just we'd, we're not creating enough for the strikers, mm. which is an area that I think, Neil will help in because it'll allow the likes of Moxon to get further up the pitch yeah
0: as you mentioned there Butterworth scored United's goal Uh, consolation as it turned out to be it's a cracking strike though isn't it I mean when I read the thing and said it was a great strike from 20 yards I thought I'd be interested in see this one technique-wise, superb, isn't it? Gets right of the ball and drives it like an arrow almost into the bottom corner.
2: It's a beautiful finish and it's uh, the, the brief cameo is pro- I wouldn't be surprised if it earned him a start of the weekend just mm. because he, in the uh, minutes that he did get he showed a bit more directness than most of us in the team um, yeah. but yeah, it's a brilliant finish it's just it's sad that it was I think it was 87th minute or something like that yeah. 86 minutes so just there's, just there's barely any even though it was nine minutes added on I think nobody even our own fans and uh, James and, and Lummy, couldn't believe that there was nine minutes added on it did definitely <laughs> didn't seem like a game that required that much but we didn't make use of it in the end
0: yeah well uh, maybe we'll start with that one as they're talking about for the game then so it's one that has been mentioned by him, a lot of fans I'm still not 100% convinced by him Dan Butterworth d- do you think he's worth running the team uh, I think it's, it's almost, oh,
2: well, no, this, that'd be harsh to say. On, I was going to say that Gibson, it, Gibson's been at the level where you just got to change something like with Holy, where it was got really bad and you brought in breeze because there just had to be a change made, even if it uh-huh. necessarily wasn't going to be any better. You had to at least give it a go. Yeah, I think some people are of that mindset, but I think that is a, that specific mindset is a bit harsh on Gibson just because I've, don't yeah. think his actual quality has been really bad for the last few games. I think that dip in just quality up, isn't it? and lack of um, yeah, lack of defensive awareness or um, ability combined is what's agging people. But I, th- I think he will start because the game that he did start was it was against Burton after he played yeah. well and obviously we won and looked decent in that game. So I think it's a I think it's a game that we don't really have any... There's not much pressure on us to to go out and get a result, even though it's at home because we're against mm-hmm. Oxford. But equally, they're falling a little bit too. So it might just be seen as a bit of a free pass to go, we'll try this. And then if not, we we'll could just mm-hmm. switch it after 60, 55 minutes if needs be.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll talk about that when we do the preview for the Oxford game. Um, in terms of the debuts... Um, Armstrong, we've sort of touched on slightly, but we'll touch on him again in a sec. But Harrison Neal seems to be the one who's getting all the plaudits. He was our man of the match, according to uh, who scored.com. He got a score of 7.4 for this game. Mm-hmm. He, he seems to be exactly what we're looking for, doesn't
2: he? Yeah, it's because Mox just doesn't have the... The one thing in, that I mentioned in in that uh, YouTube video that I mentioned, it's pinned on my Twitter if anybody wants to uh, go and have a, a look at it, um, is... Comparing the two of them last season, Mox and, and Neil, they're quite similar in a lot of stats, but the one stat that really sets them apart is the uh, tackles or duels one percentage. Because Mox does tend to fly into a lot of tackles and not win them and mm-hmm. get and get bypassed, whereas the stats showed that Neil was one the best in league two for for winning those those tackles. And that's what you need. You need somebody who's going to sweep up things. That's what Calm Guy's so good at. Um, so yeah, I think it was just nice to have somebody there who was fit for that role.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, what kind of an impact do you think he can have overall? Um, it's the first time we've had you since he signed. I think so.
2: Yeah, I think what he will offer is uh, a freedom for the players ahead of him to go forward because he looks like someone who can. First, I didn't realize actually how tall he was until the the did all the pictures mm. and that together. Um, I thought just I don't know just by the look of him, he looks like sort of like 5'10", five, 5'11", five, but he's, he's quite a big lad um, and he looks like he c- can cover a bit of ground and that's one thing that we've lost with having to play like, like some mcgee who's not as, as mobile and Mox who's maybe not as positionally aware. So I think it will allow the midfields in front of him to get further forward and have more of a licence um, and I also think that he's got the technical ability to to not just be a defensive-minded player but somebody who can help build up attacks too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Armstrong, well, his impact, I think it, it's pretty instant, isn't it? He looks he looks like a player who's really going to fit in well.
2: The one thing that I really noticed about him in, in the uh, extended highlights was there was a, a, a passage where, I don't know if the ball was, I think him and Joe Garner might have played a 1-2 and then it was switched over to the other side. And immediately, he wasn't even looking at the ball, he was just running straight down the middle of the goal line. Just being in that area, which is not really, obviously Joe's, the best at it at the moment, but he does like to get involved in build up play a lot, whereas Armstrong will hold it up, lay it off, and then just go he 's not even looking at where the ball is he's just expecting a ball to be in his vicinity yeah. he 'll get on the end of it um so yeah that's a, a real difference maker in terms of what the options that we currently have um and he's
0: winning a lot of the air as well isn 't he as well that that really stood out as well
2: that's one thing that Lummy mentioned on the the commentary was. It's going to take a bit of time for defenders and the midfielders to get used to having someone who then can just hope it up there and they're likely Uh going to win it. Because for most of the season, we've been putting it up there and we've not been as effective in winning those first and second balls with him. He's got not only the ability to win the ball, but also bring it down and then take it and give it off to others. So it's probably going to take a little bit of adjusting for people to get used to that, um, having that ability up front. But it's one that will pay off in the end.
0: Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it kind of feels like, um, it, it, you know, in terms of what you said there about Neil just before, he will bring the best out of Moxon, won't we, I think? And that's the thing we're really hoping for, that we're going to see a different Owen Moxon because he's done well this season. I think he's done better probably than people give him credit for, but he's not been at the same levels. Because And obviously Guy being out has made it even worse for him, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I think it's just because we had such... He set such a high standard last season Yeah, that it was going to be hard to move and i think people also underestimate the big gap in quality between the league 1 the t- the bad teams in league 1 and the yeah. good teams in league 2 like yeah. there's the, there isn't really a bad team a properly properly bad team in this division um and even when you look at the teams that are at the top of league mm. 2 there's there's weaknesses that you can that you can point yeah. out so it's, it's probably been quite a learning curve for him, mm-hmm. but I actually think having to play that deeper role might have helped him a little bit, to sort yeah. of settle him down and not think, I've got to be playing these wonder passes all the time, I've got to be the one creating. <laughs> yeah. It sort of settled him down and just made him look a little bit more at how to retain the ball a bit better. And it's something that can hopefully help him as he goes back to his more natural position further up the pitch.
0: Yeah, I've seen a few people suggest him playing the number ten role, Moxon, and I'm, I just don't think that would suit him. I think he likes the box, the box. He wants to be a bit more involved. So I think he I think also,
2: there. I think he also likes sort of being able to uh, survey the pitch, just sort of yeah. see what's going on and yeah. spray balls from left to right rather than being the one who's maybe got his back to goal, laying it off uh, yeah. for other people and things like that, and playing in those tight areas. Even though it, he can do it, I think that's just not what his preferred uh, position would be.
0: Yeah, Uh, just a quick look down through the League 1 results from last weekend, and there was only five fixes, including ours. Uh, Fleetwood Town, another defeat for them. 3-1 loss against uh, Derby County. Uh, Burton Albion were 1-1 draw with Wickham Wanderers. I mean, they're two teams that aren't doing that great this season. Cheltenham Town, what a result for them, though. 2-1 win over Portsmouth.
2: Yeah, the wheels have fallen off a bit at Portsmouth because they've just had uh, Alex Robertson, their star midfielder from Man City's I don't know if he's torn his hamstring, but he's had a very bad injury to his hamstring, um, which will probably keep him out for the rest of the season. So they're scrambling a little bit for options to replace him.
0: And Bolton Wanderers are hot on their heels, aren't they? When you look at it, Bolton are only two points behind with two games in hand. You'd imagine... Bolton are likely to go top. And if, if I remember rightly, I seem to remember myself and Dan maybe picked Bolton to finish top. Mm. I can't remember on that. Maybe I went Derby. I can't remember one of the two, but we'll have to check that again. And I'll, point, I'll give an
2: analogy that if either of the, any of the Piatics or, or Nick is watching, he's going to like this analogy, that Portsmouth were a bit like this season's Philadelphia Eagles. It started off very, very well, I think uh, pretty much undefeated But you watch the games and you go, something's just not quite right. Even when they played us, obviously it was a 90th minute winner that got Mm. them over the line. They weren't as electric as their record set them out to be. So Nick and Tom, if you're watching, you know.
0: I don't even want to talk about American football with Nick and Tom, do we? Because they're not a great weekend for the Jags. Yeah. The Jags have done very much done a Carlisle there. Uh, hopefully, not a Carlisle in the future, but they've very much done a Carlisle. Um, final result from the weekend Portville free, Charlton free, and absolute belter there. then. Portville got a 92nd minute equaliser in that game. So Charlton have, that.
2: Their defence is absolutely. I, I, they're spending half a million on Johnson Clark Harris, but they just they were so poor.
0: I'm looking at this. They're one of the, like. well, I think they're pretty much the top scorers in the bottom half of the division. And, you know, one of the top scores, even including the top half teams, outside of the playoffs, definitely. But defensively, again, one of the worst. In fact, looking at it, they've only conceded one goal less than we have this yeah. season, which is a remarkable record, really, isn't it? But there you go. I-, I thought they'd do a lot better, Charlton. I'm quite disappointed with them, to be honest, so... They've let they've let me and Dan down, definitely, because I think I'm pretty sure we had them in the playoffs.
2: So. I'm so happy I've not done League One predictions to this season. Oh, do you,
0: I, I, was, I think ours actually aren't too bad so far, but some of them are yeah, pretty appalling, but there you go. Right, um, I think we're going to take a break now. Uh, I think that's pretty much the review section sorted. So we'll take a short break, and then we'll be back to look ahead to the Oxford game.
2: Hi, I'm Owen Moxon, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle.
0: And we're back for part two of the Brumpton Bugle, where we are looking ahead to the Oxford United game this weekend. Uh, we haven't got behind enemy lines. similarly early in the season, there doesn't seem to be a pod or anyone who wants to talk from Oxford, which is strange. They're doing well. You'd think they'd be all wanting to talk about how, mm. how well their team's doing. But they're, they're a very quiet bunch, to say the least. What we do have is we have a question of the week. Because Dan, Dan messaged me early in the week saying, I've got a good question for next week. Remind me. Okay, so I reminded him earlier today and he sent this literally just before we recorded. So let's hear the question that Dan has got for us this week.
1: Now, last weekend, saw former Blue Luke Joyce retire from his playing career. Uh, He's taken up a role scouting for Brentford. And uh, the question I've got relates to Luke Joyce. He made his debut for Wigan away at Leeds. And on the pitch that night, were two ex blues who were there? Oh, that is a good
0: question.
2: Immediate thought it, when it comes to Leeds, Carlisle is Beckford. But I don't know if that'd be too, that time.
0: It'd be, too, it'd be too soon for Beckford. Now, this, so Joyce joined us in 2006 in that summer after we got, oh, was it before we got promoted in? It was round about that time. So it'd be about 2004, 2005, round about he would have made his day before Wigan. So Leeds would have been relegated from the Premier League then.
2: Yeah, they got relegated oh. 3-0-4, I think.
0: Okay, so who would it be? I mean, Ian Hart gone by that point. Bridges wasn't there anymore. Could
2: be Wigan, obviously. Still, it could be one of Joyce's.
0: I think he. I think he said it was two, Leeds had two players who played for Carl all that day, didn't he? I think, or would I imagine that? I
2: think it was just two players on the pitch, so it could be okay. could be one from either.
0: I mean, it could be Cav. Cav would have been at Wigan around about that time, I think. Graham Kavanagh.
2: This is probably one that's more suited to your uh, yeah, age profile.
0: You, 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 thank you. You're putting <laughs> put the pressure on me there now. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. Who, who else was at Leeds at my time? Too early for Michalik, I think. Yeah, he was a Bolton at that point. Uh, oh. well, maybe no, not Ben Park. He'd be too, too young as well at that point. Um, Graham Kavanagh is the only one I can think of at the top of my head. Unless Pascal Shimbonda was there by then, or did he already gone from Wigan, maybe?
2: Yeah, this isn't the, the time frame that's best suited I'm, to
0: me. I'm going to have to go with Pascal and Graham Cavanagh, but I, I've, I've, I'm not 100% that one. We're going to do the answer now, because Mike has also done us a question. I'll I'll leave that one for later. But here here is the answer to Dan's very tough, very clever question.
1: They were both on the uh, same Wigan team. Uh, Luke Joyce came off the bench. But they were Pascal Chimbonda and Graham Kavanagh.
0: Oh well, I'm 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 pretty sure for myself for that actually, because I, I was a bit—is mm, that a bit early for Pascal? Was that a bit early for Kavanagh? But no, oh fantastic! Yeah, well, there you go. I got it, got it in one. Thankfully, for once, uh, no one usually get one of them wrong. So there you go. Right, let's look at the Oxford game then, Adam. Um, Oxford, were you surprised at how well they've done this season? Because I, I go back to that game in. August when we played them in the league, in the first away league game of the season. And I wasn't really sold on them. I wasn't, I, f- I thought they got a bit lucky that day and only made a little bit of a mistake and got done with a ball over his head. Beyond that, they didn't really fret that much. We weren't great that day, to be fair. We could have still been playing now that game and we, we wouldn't have scored, but I wasn't really sold on them. And yet that, that result seemed to spur them on, didn't it? you look
2: at the, it's the quality in the midfield is their, their biggest asset. Because you look, look at, the, at their forward lines, and it's not it's not littered with with names that you'd look at and go, well, "He's going yeah. to be a, a handful." It's more it's the Ruben Rodriguez of the world. It's the Cameron Brannigans, um, even McCaughren. I forget his first name. Uh, is it George? Yeah, Josh. 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 Yeah. Um, and those sorts of players. But yeah, I, mean, I think just because of their very strong activity in the summer. I expected them to be good. I didn't expect them to be like, I think they were second for quite a while. Obviously, they've dropped down a little bit now with the loss of uh, Liam Manning to Bristol City. Um, and that sort of brought on a bit of a, a, a lull in form for them. But I thought they were going to be a good team, maybe not as good as they turned out to be in the first part of the season, but they seem to have cooled off quite significantly. Yeah.
0: I mean, you look at it, What after that result against us beating us, um, having lost 2-0 on the opening day at Cambridge. From beating us, they then, for the next 11 games, lost just one game, and that was against Port Vale, and drew one, and that was against Blackpool. In fact, actually, if you want to go even further, I'm, I'm calling here, 12, 13, 14, 15, sorry, 14. So, 14, the next 14 games, they only lost two games. One of them was against Wigan, mm-hmm. who, you know, we, we've seen are a good team, and then they they, they drew two more. Yeah, well, I mean, what was the... Uh...
2: When was because Liam Manning left? I can't remember exactly when in November, but he left in November. Yeah, um,
0: and they performed a bit, been a bit patchier since then. I think it's fair to say. Um, I mean, Manning's one of those ones, isn't he? He did a great job in his first season. MK struggle in his second. Comes to Oxford and just about keeps them in League One. But as you say, had a brilliant start to life. Then uh, this season, gets the Bristol City job, and they've replaced him with a it's probably fair to say in terms of name-wise, a bit of an unknown, haven't they? But someone who's actually known to the club as well. Yeah,
2: yeah, Des Buckingham is somebody who's uh, got a strong, he played for them, didn't he? I believe I'm right in in saying. As a youth team
0: player, yeah. Yeah. So basically he, if you look at his record, he's never played professionally, but he was a youth team player at both, I think Oxford and Reading, I think, might be Mm -hmm. the one. I'm just trying to load up his record here.
2: Yeah, but he, Somebody's obviously got deep connections to the club, and the thing with Manning and his style—it's hard. There's not many, uh, there's not many managers out there at this level who can replicate that sort of slow tempo, heavy possession style, yeah. which is why they were linked so heavily with uh, Luke Williams, who's obviously now gone to, to Swansea from Notts County. Um, yeah. So that transition was always going to be a difficult one, and the fact that the that team is was so set up for his style. So you need uh-huh. to have somebody who can come in ideally and and immediately fit in as a manager. But I don't think Buckingham's been quite the same. But like I said, it was going to be very hard to do an exact replacement.
0: I'm just looking at i was just looking at his Wikipedia page. And i was looking. How old is he? And I just noticed he was born the day after I was. He's one day younger than me. So um, so yeah, that 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 makes me feel a bit old. now, actually, to be fair, people, no, it actually it doesn't because he's quite a young manager. To be fair in yeah. that sense, but um, but, yeah.
2: well, he's only, but he was he was managing Mumbai City before this, yeah. so... um
0: two seasons there. He's he's mostly been in Australia and New Zealand, hasn't he, for most of his career coaching. Bar a brief spell as under-21 assistant manager at uh, Stoke City. Mm. He's been involved in New Zealand as a caretaker and assistant and the youth sides. And then, as you mentioned, Mumbai City's the first one, really, other than a brief spell at Wellington Phoenix. That yeah. He's had. So it's, it's an interesting career path, but League one's quite different, isn't it, to all those sort of jobs?
2: Yeah, and it was quite a bold move from them, obviously. I think there's always, apart from managers who are necessarily proven in in leagues, there can be a bit of uh, jeopardy when it comes to hiring people in those positions who have a connection to the club because a bit of um, tribalism comes into it. And, Uh you know, it's all well and good them, like, understanding the club and that at first but eventually it's got to come down to are they good as a manager Yeah, uh, I don't think Des Buckingham is necessarily a bad manager he's won five he's won five, lost six drawn two in his first 13 games with them so it's not a, a bad record but mm-hmm. um, is it one that's going to allow them to reach the levels that it might uh, or that they might have done had they been able to keep being manning maybe not
0: no absolutely interesting fact about him he's a qualified pilot I don't know, I just spotted that on his uh, There's not many of them
2: in the in the EFL.
0: I can't imagine there's another manager in the in the football league who is a qualified pilot. Maybe not even a helicopter pilot. I know Les, Les Ferdinand to qualify a helicopter pilot, isn't he? Because that was a famous story There apparently he used to... Oh, I didn't occasionally know that. Apparently, one, one occasion he arrived for training at Reading, I think, in his helicopter. I mean, that, he was encouraged to do it by the manager, I think, just to, just <laughs> as a joke, basically, because he was towards the end of his career. That he'd done it when he was at Newcastle, because he could get up there easily, I think. Mm-hmm. So so there you go. Les Ferdinand, a qualified pilot. And so is Des Buckingham. Well, I don't know if he's a helicopter pilot or just an airplane pilot. Either way, he's a pilot. Um, Oxford United's transfer business this summer. Um, it's an interesting one for them because they signed some good loan players but they've lost three of them already, haven't they? Yeah. So James Beadle's gone, who the keeper who's done quite well for them, he's gone back to Brighton. Um, they lost, uh, I think Stanley Mills picked up an injury, didn't he? The lad who was online from Everton. I yes. think yeah, he yeah. might have gone back. And the other one who's been recalled is Sonny Perkins, the lead. I'm not sure what's happened there with that one, if that's just a case of I'm not,
2: him, uh, yeah, being I'm not too sure anything, either. I think the biggest loss is the keeper by yeah. the sounds of it, because he sounds like he's been a, a main, main man for them. Um, yeah. And losing keepers one of the hardest positions to just replace yeah. like that because they need to have some sort of rapport with the an understanding with the defense. Yeah. It's a bit like a striker where you need to have that understanding of when runs are going to be made. But for a keeper, you know yeah. what sort of leeway you can have to get the ball from defenders to be able to pass to them, especially yeah. with a team like Oxford who want to play yeah. on the on the ground life. exactly. So that's going to be a a big challenge for them and. Yeah, losing, look, we know what it's like to lose good loan players at this stage in the season. It can no. really derail things because you start to panic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have replaced Beardle already. Jamie Cumming has come in on loan from Chelsea. He's had quite a few loan spells in the lower leagues. He's done quite pretty well in most of them. That said, he did have an absolute stinker against us for Stevenage, I seem to recall, a few years back. So interesting to see how he gets on. Because, um, cause, yeah, I remember before the game. I'm pretty sure on our pod, we built him up and said, "Oh, he's, he's meant to be really good this lad." He's look at all the, you know, we saw some, watched some clips and we like, "He's really, really good." And then on the review pod, we were like, "What? What were we talking about? He was awful." But it was one off game, isn't it? That's the thing. Sometimes
2: the uh, Oxford's Twitter account used a uh, a zoo. I think it's Zoolander uh, yeah. reference for the. Um for the announcement which is which is quite funny. I wish Carlo would be more creative with their announcements rather than just the new. I do I do well, quite enjoy seeing that pen pop up on my notifications yeah, but it, 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 if it just exciting, have a little yeah. bit more not don't need Bernie levels where then, they've got like incredible but, editors and content teams but
0: they they have got a bit more of a budget now, I think. So yeah. hopefully going forward, and there's going to be more staff involved. So hopefully, hopefully with any luck, there'll be a, there'll be something a little bit more to come from that. Um, I'm trying to find this Jamie coming thing, but I'm not going to find it quickly enough to watch it. But um, but yeah, he yeah, he I just remember he had an absolute. I think it might have been the four 0 game actually. He didn't have a great game if I remember right. I think it was one of the games we were actually allowed to attend during COVID too. So
2: oh yeah, so, yeah. No, I, no, I remember That's, that. Game, but I don't was he. I remember the game, but I can't remember. Oh no, actually, I, I, keep... I do remember the keeper not being great, but I just don't remember it being him. Maybe you could be right. wrong. While,
0: while we're talking, it, I'm going to go and try and find the um for for him uh his record because I'm sure it's one of those games. I'll quickly um, have a look. So, in terms of the um, other signings, anyone else stood out for the players they brought in this summer?
2: Well, the main one, as I mentioned earlier, was Ruben. Uh, Rodriguez from Notts County, who's come in and just he's been their best player. He's got, I think it's uh, yeah, 12 goals and assists in the league. Um, uh, but another one is Greg Lee, who come in from uh, Ipswich, I think. I think he came uh-huh. in as a free agent, for, or maybe not from Ipswich.
0: I think, Greg, no, Greg Lee, Greg, yeah, Greg Lee's come from Ipswich, undisclosed, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. from an undisclosed fee. And the odd thing, I can't remember which team just reminds me of, maybe like City when they didn't really have a striker, but of their three top scorers, there's, a, there's Cameron Brannigan, who's scored six penalties in one uh, non-penalty goal, uh, Rodriguez, and then Greg Lee's third. So yeah. it's a bit of a, for me at least, an encouraging sign that they don't have a, a proper number nine, which is probably what's caused us the most problems this season when you look at like playing against Derby, where they've just had that quality to finish a chance and then we're, out of the game so that's one encouraging thing but yeah Ruben Rodriguez Greg Lee two of the main ones Yeah,
0: I finally found the YouTube video here yes what it was it was the game against Stevenage where we fans were allowed and Nick Anderson scored the opening goal with a free kick he drove from 30 yards yes. and basically yeah, yeah. it was straight into his arms and he spilled it into the back of the net he had Yeah, an absolute shocker on that one I'm trying to see if any of the other goals I think he had.
2: the only goal I remember for that was Joe Riley did he make it 4-0 over yeah Molly? Obviously, Brilliant that's, not, that's
0: not to do with the, the keeper. Yeah. Coyote scored a great header as well in that game from a corner. The keeper maybe could have come for that. Um, and yeah, the other one was uh, loose Alessandria, sort of run into the box and hit it across the keeper. It's a good finish, actually, to be fair. But but yeah, the keeper had an absolute nightmare on that free kick. So hopefully, you know, someone maybe owed boxing as a try with a low daisy cutter. You never know, it might find to the back of the net. Um, outside of the summer signings, I think you picked out the right one there in terms of, Star players, Cameron Brannigan. He he was probably one of the few players he really sort of stood up. I think he played in the game down there. I seems to remember he's one of the few that I thought. Yeah, he. You can see his quality and his stats show up down there. I think they've mm-hmm. they've knocked back bids of like eight hundred grand for him, haven't they? I think for him yeah. Blackpool I think. I think season, a lot of possibly. a
2: lot of people are surprised that he's not a championship player. Yeah, I think he probably will be by the end of the season, whether it's with Oxford or not. Because he's just yeah. he's at that level. Obviously, the stats are inflated by the fact that he takes penalties, but he's obviously yeah. efficient with them. He scored every take uh, everyone's yeah. taken this yeah. season. Uh, but that's you know if you would just disregard his goal scoring uh, threat, he's still just a wonderful midfielder.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's a good player, isn't he? Uh, Ison Smith as well, one's impressed me. He scored a brilliant goal, I think, against Charlton. day, actually, if you haven't seen that, he's a Great strike from distance for I think was the winning goal in that game. As you say, attacking wise, not, not that much quality in there, but obviously the midfield is where the where the the quality really is and that should make a difference for and them.
2: Rodriguez has been deployed a bit further forward maybe than he yeah. traditionally was, which offers that that threat. But like I said, there's not a, a name on there that you look at and go, that's gonna be a, a tough yeah. job.
0: Yeah. Uh, current form uh, in the last six games, uh, Oxford actually sixth in the last six games form table. Their record is drawn, one loss, one loss, one. So fairly consistent there. We're 21st as we, we have been, I think, for weeks now, which maybe isn't such a bad thing. It just shows we're quite consistent. If we actually just pick up a couple of wins, suddenly that form table turns around because there's teams dropping in and down, that sort of thing. So you never know with that. Um, in terms of the last time out for Oxford in the league, 2 1 winners, I mentioned there at uh, Charlton. Uh, Smith scored the winning goal on 85 minutes. They took the lead. In fact, Charlton, sorry, took the lead through Kem Campbell. Uh, Mark Harris got the equaliser for Oxford and then they uh, went on to win the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the starting lineup from that game. It looks like the lad from Leeds doesn't feature at all. So I'm guessing he's probably, yeah, he probably has gone back, hasn't he? I'm guessing in that sense. Um, Yeah, in terms of head to head. Six, uh, that's not six, seven, I meeting I'm changed up from last time. Um, I think if I'm working on the top of my head here, it is the 47th meeting between the two sides. I had to do some counting there because I haven't written down the number correctly. Uh, United have won 17s, 13 in but a bit of draw, and 16 wins for Oxford, so it's very, very tight. We haven't won in our last four fixtures against the U's, though, so that's a little bit of a warning sign there. Uh, referee for this one, Jacob Miles from Sussex. It's his first season as an EFR referee, it's the first time he'll be refereeing a Kai United game. He's taken charge of 17 games so far this season, handing out 65 yellows and one red card. Last season in the National League, he handed out 46 yellows and three red cards in 14 games. But an interesting fact about Jacob that I found out when I was Googling the details for him, he's also a long tennis umpire. He actually, is, he, he, he umpires tennis games across the world as well. So as oh, a, okay. someone else pointed out to me, he's a grass squared, basically. So there you go. Um, right. Let's talk about United then, Adam. Um... Injury-wise, as we mentioned there, Coyote probably still a week or two away maybe, which probably is sensible rather than trying to rush him back for the sake of it and then losing him again for a bit longer. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd rather say, I mean, there's a decent chance our game against Bolton's going to be called off because yeah. Yeah, Bolton yeah. have got an FA Cup replay coming this Tuesday. And if they win that, they are then playing against Everton or Palace on the weekend we were supposed to be playing them, Mm. which might not be the worst thing in the world to happen to us, possibly.
2: No. Well, um, obviously they've got to get through Luton to do so, but like you say, at home, aren't they, the second Like you say, with uh, Coyote, now we've got Armstrong in, there's not as much (laughs) of a pressure for him to come back, because we do have that option, um, which is good for him. Oh, brilliant, yeah, because as you mentioned, even though that uh, game against Stevenage, Coyote's Aerial presence is, I think, probably yeah. one of the more underrated facets of his game. That and his long yeah. throwing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it, it's it's. I feel for him because, like last season, he had an injury that kept him out for a while, and maybe he's just generally injury prone. But like, a, you can't really account for a, a dislocated shoulder.
0: No, no, like, you can't. It, it, you can't. It's
2: not a muscular injury that's like, oh, he's just fragile. Maybe, well, yeah. maybe you can say he's fragile, but not at least in the usual sense when it comes to footballers. Yeah
0: until you have that first dislocated shoulder, it's not something that's a recurring thing. That's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. And for, luckily, Ryan Edmondson has avoided that so far, you know, and since he had it. But sometimes, I think he don't have one before any Edmondson, so I think he had to have a plate installed, if I remember Maybe. rightly. Was Jude Bellingham still
2: delo- uh, dislocated his shoulder? He's been playing with a yeah. shoulder brace or something on for the last oh yeah. many months.
0: Yeah, some people do that, don't they? Um, other injury-wise, obviously Guy's going to be out for another seven to eight months. Barkley at the moment is to be confirmed. He's had a few injections this week for that. I think it was a hip injury he had, but doesn't look like he'll feature this weekend. And uh, Finn backs closing in, though. He'll be a couple of weeks away, I think, now from returning. Uh, Terry O'Blade, though, he's still probably towards the end of February, so still a while off for him. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, in terms of formation and changes for this one, Adam. What would you do? Simo's got a lot of decisions to make, hasn't he? Which is a good thing because it's positive because we've got options now. Yeah. I-, I feel like you stick with 3-5-2 for this. I think your first big question there, obviously, Har- Harry Lewis is going to be a net. We know that. Yes. That's pretty yeah, yeah. much confirmed. Right? You back free, Mellish and Lavelle pretty much pick themselves. Who do you put on that right side? Do you stick with Corey Whelan or do you throw Sh- um, Sean Green in?
2: With Green, I think it was very really telling that he wasn't immediately, at least in the squad. Yeah, in terms of that's probably a big hint as to where his fitness is at, just because he's probably mm-hmm. not been playing as much with Palace's under twenty ones, just because their schedule won't be as heavy as a as a football league clubs is. Um so I'd be surprised, I'd expect him to maybe be on the bench, especially if Barkley's still unavailable. Obviously, like you said, his uh, availability is still not known, um, but they'll probably err on the side of caution with him. But yeah, I'd, I would expect uh, Whelan to, to stay in the squad just because I would be amazed if they chuck Green in first time as a starter. At least try and bed him in a little bit, especially for somebody of
0: his age. I mean, potentially there's the option to move Lavelle to the right side and put Paul Huntington into the middle as well, isn't Yeah, there?
2: obviously that's, again, dependent on, on uh, fitness. I don't see that happening just because of the way Simpson's been talking about him this week. It doesn't seem like he's necessarily fully on no. speed, but it's an option and more options is better because it allows for rotation when things are going well in terms of freshening up the squad and also when things are going badly, when things aren't working. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Midfield, Moxon's fit again. Mm -hmm. So you imagine he comes back in. Harrison Neal is going to start. We know that because he's had a great debut. As long as he's fit, he'll be in there. So who's the third midfielder that plays alongside those two? Presuming, well, we are presuming it's going to be 3-5-2 because he seems quite settled in that, doesn't he? I'd imagine the wing-backs are probably not going to change either in Emmanuel and no. Robinson, he seems to be happier. No. So who's who's the third midfielder you play alongside? them? Because there's a bit of debate here about three potential options. Also, well, you mentioned Gibson, who's played really well there before and actually having a Neil in there doing the guy role with a Mox in there as well might really help Gibson play his best. Or do you put someone like Charters in there who can, you know, we know can really put a bit of purpose into a pass and a bit of zip on the ball and get the ball moving in those tight areas in the final third? Or do you go for Butterworth who has got a bit of creativity, he's got a bit of dribbling ability, but maybe doesn't know quite when to release the ball sometimes? It, which option would you go with?
2: I would. I'd probably still go with a midfield of Neil, Mox, and Gibson. But you know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if he played Neal and then Charters and Mox in front of them. It mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me at all, just because it provides more defensive cover than having either Butterworth yeah. or uh, Gibson in the starting lineup. On the point of sticking to the 3-5-2, I think they have to just... There's been too much chopping and changing in the formation. Yeah. We have to, especially when it comes to transfers, it has to be considered, and it must be... Uh, considered by Abbott and the others in terms of how they're going to fit into a system and yeah. you can't make that decision as easily if you don't really know what your system is so I think they have to stick to something 3 five, 2 seems to be what they're going with um, but also not even just a system, uh, just a way of playing if we're going to be a direct mm-hmm. long ball team who's going to put it up to Garner and Armstrong and Coyote in time or any other signings that come in then go with that be that yeah. team who's going to rely on the strengths of the forwards to get us out of, of trouble. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to get back to the point, um, I'd start Gibson again, just because I think Butworth, somebody who'll have more impacts off the bench, whereas I think Gibson's yeah. not as useful off the bench because he needs to be sort of up with the flow of the game.
0: I would agree with you, personally. I, 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 I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that as well. I'd go with Gibson. The other reason I'd go with that is, and it's one of the reasons why I stick with 3-5-2 is, we're getting the best out of Melish when you play 3-5-2 as well. I think he's done really well in the back four, but I think you see a lot more of him and his qualities when you play that because he has that freedom to get forward a bit. What the option gives you, having Gibson in there, especially if you play Armstrong and a sort of nippier, wider sort of forward up front with him is you can switch that 4-3-3. Three, three, and we really, really lack that this season. That made a big difference last season because teams just didn't know how to cope with it. Mm. When we switched mid-game, they were like, well, oh, what's going on here? We've been preparing for this. This is... There's not as much of a surprise there in that sense, but it still is difficult to deal with if if you've set yourself up to deal with the team in that way. So that gives you the option to potentially do that mid-game, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of people who are not happy with with Sean Maguire. And I think probably with the the background that he has in terms of clubs he's played for and the level that he's played at, Mm -hmm. people haven't been pleased with what he's uh, produced, maybe in comparison to their expectations. But um, I think it, it... seems to be the preferred thing of, of Simpson of playing that big man, little man up front, having mm-hmm. that different option. And like you say, it does allow for that switching in tactics if needs be. Um I should say I don't think Mellish had his best game against Exeter. There's no. like a lot of no. he had a lot of times where he just sort of just had a, 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 a lapse in, in judgment and gave no. away the ball cheaply or tried to get the ball where he shouldn't have. Um but He's been one of the most consistent players in the in the team.
0: Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that about giving the ball away. The, the stats actually bear up that as a team we weren't particularly good at that because our uh, past success percentage was fifty eight percent. That is horrible. And, which is terrible because actually most this season it's been an improvement on last season. It's been the the previous game it was seventy eight, I think seventy one or seventy eight percent. Like against Wigan it was it was that high. In fact, Exeter's past success was less this game, 71%, than we had against Wigan, 78%. So it shows we actually kept the ball quite well there. And this was just a game where we just could not get a grip of the game. As you mentioned, players like Manish had given the ball away when actually they have been retaining it quite well in previous games. Mm. So it just goes to show just how off the ball everyone really wasn't yeah. that much. And one thing I think... Um, go on.
2: One thing I think that will be really interesting to watch on Saturday is how a player like Harrison Neal plays on a bigger pitch... Because yeah. it, it, Brunton Park is a big pitch for this level and the team yeah. that we have. And it allows, you know, the likes of like Mox is at his best when he's at home because he's got oh. the room to spray balls in behind and it's not going to yeah. go out of play. Um, so and
0: Callum, Callum Guy like that as well, didn't he? He like to yeah. be able to spread the ball out wide to the to the backs as well. Yeah. So and just having yeah, that, that freedom
2: for Neil to sort of sit and and switch things from side to side if needs be, that would be yeah. one thing that will be really uh, interesting to watch. And also Armstrong, um, in terms of having more space to to roam off of defenders and try <laughs> yeah. getting behind too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, in terms of attack, obviously Armstrong is going to start. We know that. That's that's a given. You'd stick with Maguire, I think then maybe just because it gives us that option to switch to 4-3-3 as well as much as anything?
2: I also just think he's, um, maybe it's just because it was the start of the season and, you know, you can make the argument with footballers that, you know, he's maybe come here not necessarily because he really wants to be here, which is, in fairness, I think one thing that people forget when it comes to football, yeah, it's it's a job at the end of the day. They're going to, Go as you know, best financially and the best situation for them. Not necessarily because they love the club that they're they're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but just early in the season, there was instant signs of quality. The runs he was making, yeah. the way he's able to hold up the ball. Now he's not the best in front of goal, but with Armstrong up front, it's not as much as a necessity. So I think he yeah. can be someone who can link up, play like really few players in the team can, and that's that's why I stick with him up front.
0: Yeah, in terms of the bench, we'll briefly touch on that before we do predictions. Um, would you stick with Breeze then as your backup, and Thomas Hurley be sat in the stands? I think that yeah. I think it seems the only fair way it'd of doing be, it, doesn't it'd it? be really? very
2: very harsh for them to yeah. put Breeze in the stands after what yeah. he's done, um, and I think also in terms of just the the profile and age of the two players, I think it. Could have quite a bad impact if you go. Oh, thanks, Gabe. You've done really well for these few games, but can you just go sit in the yeah. stand for yeah. us? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I'd be yeah. absolutely amazed if he wasn't on the bench. Yeah,
0: but it, he's got some other decisions to make, though, hasn't he? Because obviously, if Mox comes back in, then you're probably going to have to drop one of your midfielders, which you'd imagine is a straight fight between Moxon and McCallman. and I'd imagine sorry, Moxon, McGeech uh, and McCallum's and. I'd imagine it's probably Dylan that's going to miss out. To be honest, yeah. He, the,
2: in that fight, I've I've really not been impressed with McCalmont this season. No, he's not quite. I think not he's, not, I up, think he's he? not been up to it this season. But Simpson just likes him. He, he mm. you can just tell he likes him. I don't know if it's his energy that he yeah, brings, he's a busy player. He, he does. It? He runs about a lot, but yeah. his his quality on the ball sometimes. Quality is maybe not even the right way to put it. It's just the sort of. Lack of progressive thinking in in his in his play because he get like mm-hmm. I think we've mentioned it in previous podcasts that he gets the ball in good position sometimes, especially when he's being asked to play as that yeah. higher pressing midfielder, which means he's going to get the ball higher up the pitch and he's just instantly looking for the teammates behind him rather than going forward so i I agree with you it probably will be McGelk, but I don't think that's necessarily deserved, and I also think with the even though we've brought in Neil. McGeoch's probably of those two the more suited to being a defensive option if needed. Yeah. So I think everything points towards McGeoch should be the one who's going to come in and and be in that role, but I don't think it will be.
0: Yeah. So you can, to be fair, you potentially still going to have the likes of Jack Ellis, Paul Huntington, mm. and McGeeock, all sat and Thomas O'Neil all sat in the stands for this game, which shows the difference now in terms of what we've got available to us.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a great problem to have. Um yeah. was it was it this I think it might have no, it can't have been the start of this season. It must be last season where um we had like four or five players who weren't making the squad every uh, every week. And with loan players yeah. coming back like Killsby and we'll see what happens with Jaden Harris because his loan's expiring soon. I know Simpson yeah. said that he's there's been some inquiries about him um from another club oh. that isn't Eastley. Um so we'll see if anything comes to that or whether it's a stay that gets extended. Um, but you'd rather have those options to call on if, if needed, especially when injuries come.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it's better than we had last season, like you said, when we, there's periods when we were having two youth team players on the bench because we just couldn't fill the bench. Mm. And we've we've had that this season a couple of times as well. So it, it's just nice to be in the a better position in terms of that. Right, prediction time for this one. Adam, uh, you can go first. And this, what are you going to go for?
2: I'm just going to have another quick look at what Oxford... Because Oxford tend to be involved. If anybody likes putting the over two and a half on games for for goals, this is maybe one to do it on, because Oxford have done it in every single one of the last five games. Or six games, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. I think Armstrong's going to get his first goal. Yeah. Uh, And I also think that that Owen Moxon's going to test that keeper. And there's a possibility that old old, uh, tricks could happen again and those butterfingers come out. And it might not be in front of the Warwick as much as I'd like it to be, even if it's in front of that waterworks end again. I'll take it.
0: Yeah. That's annoying, that, because I was thinking of picking those two goals as well. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win. I'm going to back Luke Armstrong to get his first goal. I think for the other goal, I'm going to go with Jordan Gibson. I think he'll have a point to prove, obviously, having arguably been at fault for the first goal at Exeter, and He'll he'll go out there and he'll put a real performance in and show what he actually is capable of. Right, here's Dan's prediction
1: for this game. Disappointing last week. Uh, We never got going until late on. Uh, nice to see Butterworth get a goal, though. Uh, tough game this week. Uh, as I said, start of uh, the season. I quite fancied Oxford to do quite well. And I think they've sort of proven me right. But a uh, bit of a buzz about the club with uh, Lewis coming in. So I'm going to go for the hard-fought 2-1 win. I'm going to go for Luke Armstrong to get off the mark and Owen Moxon to score.
0: There's not much variety in the scores <laughs> so far. Let's me- let, let, let's see what um, Mike goes for for this one I'm going to go for
1: a 3-1 win with goals from Armstrong Robinson and Lovell
0: alright he's gone for two defenders Mike's fair play we all gone for Luke Armstrong yeah we, I mean, we, we all want him to score yeah exactly Ho- hopefully all, all of incentivized. score highly incentivised Exactly, exactly. Right, we're going to do the X blues in a sec, but just before we do that, Mike has sent me in a question as well, so we'll quickly do that because I don't I don't, don't want Mike to feel let down with the question that he's obviously thought off for this one. So here's Mike's question for this
1: week. Someone that's played for both Carlisle and Oxford is Canise Carroll. Now, how many league games did he play for the Blues?
0: Ooh. I don't know, it's going to be many, is it? No. I've, I have a feeling it might even be single figures, you know.
2: I was thinking sort of, I wasn't thinking that low. I was thinking sort of around the dozen mark.
0: You might be right, actually. I'm going to go for 11. I'm guessing you're going to go for 12. Oh, then, yeah. Based on that Right, so that balances out too much. Watch it be a go. baker's dozen. Yeah, exactly. Right, come on, Mike. Let's have the answer. And it was nine. Ooh. I was right. Single Single figures. Single figures. I, to be fair, I was going to go as low as six originally. And I was thinking single figures. So, God, didn't play many games at all for us, did he? There you go. Right. x times time. There's a few to cover this week. Um, starting with last weekend's games in the FA Cup, most of these. Uh, Jerry Yates, he scored for Swansea City as they won 2-0 against Morecambe. Uh, Callum O'Hare, he's, he's getting a few goals now, isn't he? Since he's uh, returned from injury for Coventry. He scored from the spot as Coventry City beat Oxford United, on uh, points this weekend, 6-2 last weekend. Um, Andy Cook missed a penalty for Bradford City in their 4-2 defeat to Crawley Town. Got, he's mid- got
2: the fireworks in his ears.
0: I he can't stop, can he? Uh, Adam Campbell scored for Crawley in this game as well. Crawley doing okay this season by looks of things. Uh, another team doing alright this season in League 2. Uh, Crew Alexandra and Joe White, he scored a goal for them in their 1-0 win at Mansfield time. It looks like he's going to extend his loan deal there, doesn't it? I
2: yeah, think. although from what I'd heard, it seemed like it, a deal to Stockport was wrapped up. Mm. But obviously things seem to have changed. with that, that. The goal that he scored, for anybody who hasn't seen it, mm. it just sums him up as a footballer. Just pure technical brilliance. Flip-flaps yeah. the lad and just doesn't even put too much power on it. Just, just places it in the far corner. Um, yeah. and he's he's been doing really well. It's really good to see because I think he's finally adapting to uh, EFL football in the way that yeah. Elliot Anderson maybe did a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, he's just sort of finally developing into, into himself as a, a professional footballer. Yeah.
0: Still kind of a shame we couldn't have kept him really back in the no, day. No, I there know. You go. Um, Mark Beck, he scored for Solihull more and their 3-0 win over Woking. And Richie Bennett, he scored for South Point in their 2-2 draw at Gloucester City. And then in midweek, he scored twice South Point, their 2 0 win over Darlington. He's getting a few goals since he's gone there, Richie, hasn't he? So it's good to see him getting a few. Uh, on to other news, and there's a few to cover here. Uh, congratulations to Mo Sagaf. He's been called up to the Tanzania squad for their African Cup of Nations uh, squad, basically, this this month. Um, some people would be confused there because, like, hang on, wasn't he born in Somalia? He was born in Somalia, but he grew up in Tanzania. Um, I'm guessing probably potentially wall-related there because obviously smiley has been quite badly hit by that down the years, hasn't it? So yeah. Um, Simon Grand is the caretaker manager at La- uh, Lancaster City. And it, from what I've read, he's been assisted by Danny Livesey there. Mm. That's a that's a pairing and a half, isn't and it? So there's wanna... a
2: former youth team player at um,
0: Lancaster City, Charlie Barnes. Charlie Barnes, yeah. I see. Oh, did you see this? Simon, Lin- Simon Grand actually tweeted about this. So I think against, uh, they played Macclesfield away the other week. And Simon's in charge. And I think Lancaster were 2 0 up at half time. And apparently, Simon Grant said that Robbie Savage went into the referee's room at half time to have a chat with the ref. And then, if you watch, Macclesfield gets a penalty towards the start of the second half. And if you watch it, Charlie Barnes is the one who gets fouled. He's clearing the ball and gets fouled, cleaned up by two players. And the ref gives a penalty. To, to Michael's throw. It's a ridiculous They'd still won the game 2-1. Oh, God. So, yeah. I'll be savage, man. Fair to say Simon was not very impressed after that game. Uh, Pascal Chimbonda's in the headlines again. This is brilliant. He's had his five-game stadium ban as Skelmersdale United manager, reduced to a three-game touchline ban and a 50-quid fine, but he's also registered himself as a player. At first, I thought what the plan here was, they thought, well, if he's got a touchline ban, if he's registered him as a player... They can't stop him playing. <laughs> they can stop being on the yeah. touchline as a coach, but apparently it also applies to bit playing if you're a manager as well. So you yeah. still can't play to th- every game. Next yeah, month.
2: I thought it was the same. Like I thought it was the same logic as you. And I thought Pascal, <laughs> you, you sly little fox.
0: But it t- turns out not that slight. And Scamsdale are appalling this season. If you haven't seen, them they're bottom of their league at the moment. They're not doing well at all. Um, Matty Robson, he's uh, come out of I presume was retirement to sign for Brandon United at the age of 38. Bless him, Matty. Good lad. And I was chatting with back the week because he actually, he's actually going over to Germany to watch some football in February. And because he knows that I go to watch football in Germany quite often, I was giving him a few tips on what to do over there. I think he's going to Cologne for, for the weekend, so he'll have a cracking time there, I'm sure. Uh, Russell Penn, he's left his manager role at Kiddermans to He's done a good job there, Penn, hasn't he? One of the weirdest signings of of Cal of United in recent seasons, isn't he, really?
2: Was yeah. Back at it.
0: Do, haven't they appointed... Oh, what
2: was he called? He managed... Quite a big name and managed Barrow. Phil Brown. Yeah, they've appointed Phil Brown, haven't they? Yeah. Which is... Uh, on the face of it, it's quite a big thing, but I think he's been awful in his last, like, four jobs, so... I think he's
0: quite... He was quite well-liked at Southend, wasn't he? In his first spell there, at least, anyway. I think he'd done really well, but I think... Because he went back, didn't he? And I don't think he did quite as well the second time around, unfortunately, because... Problems off the pitch. Uh, Tom Parks he signed for Hartlepool United from Livingston. Um, and finally, Francois Zoko has been appointed as the head of academy coaching at Burton Albion. that's a lovely little story. I love love to hear Francois's name as usual. And uh, that's it. Despite the fact that we haven't got uh, behind anyone lines this episode, ninety minutes long, but a lot of that was talking about how excited we were for Harry Lewis signing, wasn't it? Yeah, so, and Bradford tears. Can't remember about that. Sitting indeed, in indeed. All the Bradford tears. Indeed, give 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 him a good shake. Um, Adam, thanks very much for joining me. Always appreciate uh, always yeah, no coming on the pod. Um, we will be back on, I think, Monday. I think Mike and I are going to record on Sunday morning a review of the Oxford game and a preview of the Barnsley game. Looking ahead to that. I think Mike's coming to that one with me as well. I think we're both going up to the Oxford game I was going on to make, Saturday. The,
2: I was going to make the Barnsley trip, but it's just going to be... Getting back to Kyle well, was just going to be well, my only option was to go to my mates in Manchester, but they're not going either. So the the,
0: the, the problem as well is looking at it is it could well be cocked off because the weather the, the cold snap is just starting to hit, and I'm not sure they've got under soil heating there. So it could could be one that that gets caught out by Cheltenham could be as well actually potentially. So maybe it might help us give a bit of time to bed in some of these new signs potentially. Fingers I mean, there's a potential there's a potential here that we might not play a home game until.
2: February. Late, no,
0: sorry, after this game. Not play a game till the late Noron game, but start of February. So mm-hmm. yeah, I hope that one's on because I bought train tickets for that. So <laughs> I don't want that one to be called off. But yeah. No, um, thank you very much for joining. Thanks once again to our sponsor, London Branch. We really appreciate their support. Um, like I said, we'll be back with the preview of the Barnsley game. But all I've got left to say that after that is Up the Blues.
2: Up the Blues. Port City, aren't you? But are you going to keep going and wasting your Saturdays
1: Ah, watching drivel every week? The fireworks kept him up. Ah, dear dear, cook Jesus Christ, you're fucking sad, aren't you? (laughs)